0: Thank you, trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone, touchdown! Alabama wins. Alone, looking for his first hit of the year, oh. he drives one deep left field. Back goes Upton, back near the wall. It's out of here! Bartolo has done it. There's only one word that comes to mind: greatness. What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt podcast we are past the first week of the nfl the super wild card weekend um six phenomenal games and now we move on to the divisional round starting this saturday and back on to make his predictions we have mr jacob duncan jacob how are you doing
1: pretty good excited to be back on uh, making some more picks uh solid like what solid week last week went four and two in my picks didn't do so great on the spreads, but uh, it was exciting. Super wild card weekend. Uh, new uh, seven seed in each, uh, each conference definitely uh, made the weekend more exciting. And I'm, I'm very excited to see this week's games.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I did. I went five and one, though. I got the um, I got the Bills, Bills Colts score right on the money. I said twenty seven, twenty four Bills and they got it. And I believe there was one other game I had the Buccaneers won thirty-one to twenty-three, and I had them winning uh, thirty to twenty-three. So, I, I'm I'm pretty proud. I don't think I got a single regular season college football or NFL game correctly scored, and nearly two in the wild card weekend. That's why they call it the wild card.
1: Very impressive.
0: Um, we'll go NFC to AFC again. Let's start it off with the one thirty-five game. Um, on Saturday, on, on Fox, um, the six-seed Los Angeles Rams head to Lambeau Field to take on the top-seed Green Bay Packers. Packers are a touchdown favorite.
1: Yep, so the Rams last week, they kind of came out. and I mean, I guess it, was, it would consider it an upset, kind of a shocking upset um, with the health concerns of Jared Goff, and he didn't start the game it actually had to come in after uh, Welford got hurt. And their defense just looked awesome last year, last week, and pretty much the whole season shut down Russell Wilson and that Seahawks offense. Uh, this should be another good game here. Now going against the Packers with some rest. Uh, Packers obviously look great all year. And I think, but I think the biggest storyline to watch would be the Rams' health situation. Obviously, Jared Goff is not 100%. We know that we don't know how effective he is, even my personal opinion. I don't think he's the greatest, even when he is 100%. And when he's hurt, the, the Rams' offense is not going to hum like they potentially could. And then also Aaron Donald, we don't know. He's supposed to play, but he's not going to be 100% either. So they're going to need other guys to step up against that, that tough Packers offense led by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the X-Factors in this game are pretty clear to me. Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams, that matchup is going to determine this game. It's going to be interesting. Personally, I believe this is the best corner, the best wide receiver in the game going up against each other right now. Um, it, it's going to be an exciting matchup to watch all game see who wins that matchup, but I think for the game, um, I think we're going to see – it's going to be low scoring for the most part, but I, I do think the Packers will prevail in this game. I, I think they'll – I think the Rams will cover the spread, but I think the Packers will win this game by a score of 24-20. to 20.
0: We have very similar points on that, we just slightly flipped around. My storyline to watch is the matchup between Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams. Um You know, whether you have them as number one at their respective positions, these are two of the best in all of football going at it. We've seen what Jalen Ramsey does to opposing wide receivers, what he did to DK Metcalf three times this year. Because really that last weekend, DK had that one large play, but that wasn't truthfully on Jalen Ramsey. Um, So that matchup's going to be fun to watch, definitely. um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what, like, the prop bet over under on his yardage is. It's going to be – um, look, it's iron sharpens iron. We're going to get the best matchup there. And the X factor for me is who's playing quarterback for the Rams. Is it going to be that hurt Jared Goff? Um, are we going to see any John Wolford? And ultimately, I'm with you, Jared Goff, even when healthy, is not great. They're going to need to make some plays. The defense might get some – the defense is going to get some stops. They're gonna be able to make some plays on Aaron Rodgers and Co., but it's it's for naught if um, this Rams offense can't cash in. And obviously, they're gonna you know look to establish the run game with those questions at quarterback. But ultimately, the I mean, you're gonna expect the Packers to start to stack the box and make Jared Goff or or John Wolford beat you with their arm. And while he made a couple decent throws. Um, Jared Goff was not anywhere close to the reason that they won last week and he's going to have to play great for them to win this football game. And in the end, I think the way that the Rams play, they're going to be able to grind it out till the very end. I think they're going to keep it close. I think this will definitely stay within that seven point spread. But ultimately, and this was maybe my flawed logic last week, but I think even more so, I just don't see you fully limiting Aaron Rodgers in that offense. Because I mean, they're they're a better Seahawks um, essentially. Aaron Rodgers is playing great football. Maybe Devonte Adams gets taken out of the game a little bit, but then that leaves opportunities. For a guy like Aaron Jones, and look, the the Rams' defense is phenomenal. I don't think the Packers are going to make it rain on them. But late-game situation, if the Packers need a score, I like the Packers. Late-game situation, you need the Rams to score, I'm hesitant. So I'm going to lean with the better, more complete team. But I will say, following last week, I would not be surprised to see if the Los Angeles Rams find a way to pull this one out. Um, so I have the Packers winning 27 to 23 in the end. Um, moving on, uh, Sunday at 340 PM Pacific standard time, of course on Fox as well. The five seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the two seed New Orleans saints. The saints are three point favorites in this divisional matchup.
1: All right. So two teams that played last weekend, um, both looked. Uh, some, some might say maybe not as impressive uh, as maybe I expected them to. Especially the Bucks going against the football team. I think that game was close throughout the whole thing. If Washington was very close to pulling it off, Taylor Heineke he played the game of his life. Uh, but Tampa Bay, their offense did look very well. Antonio Brown looked really good. They looked. Their passing game looked hard to stop. I mean, there's no, there's no way to deny it. Well, it since their bye week, they've been. One of the best passing offenses in the in the league, um, so they're going to be tough to stop. Obviously, uh, the Saints uh, again they they pretty much they were in control of the entire game. Their offense wasn't great, but going against a good Bears defense that was kind of expected. But their defense looked awesome against uh, against the MVP uh, Mitch Trubisky. Um, but I think the storyline to watch in this game uh, is it's Brady versus Breeze part three. We've seen it two times this year, and it was both Saints blowouts. Uh, can can the Bucks make it closer this time? It, I think some of the X factors are going to be in this game. The Bucks, it's going to be a guy like Leonard Fournette. We we expect Brady to show up. We expect that passing game to show up. But if they get Leonard Fournette gone, that could cause problems for the Saints, especially against a good run defense like the Saints. And for another X factor, would be the Saints secondary. Um, if they they're going against a tough passing game, a tough passing team. Like I said, uh, they ought a lot of weapons for that Bucks uh, wide receiver group. Um, so it'll be a good matchup right there. At the end of the day, though, I'm tempted to go for an upset here, but I just don't know if I can based off the last two matchups. I think the Bucks have looked really good. They beat up on a lot of teams that I don't think are that great. And I know they're hot, but day to day, I think the Saints are just the more complete team. I'm going the Saints. I think the Saints will cover, too. I think the Saints are going to win this game 30-21. to 21.
0: Well, in in the past, when I've sent like agendas and such for um, a podcast episode, sometimes I'll have already like filled out my formatting for like my picks and such, right? So uh, it's more understandable. Like there's an episode that I had uh, Cooper Light on that he very clearly just like took my notes and slightly altered them. This one, I sent, I sent you an entirely blank copy. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, at least I think so. And you and I are have almost the exact same notes on this. The storyline to watch, there's no question. It's Brady versus Breeze. Um, Two of the best to ever do it. One, you know, maybe more likable than the other. Who's to say, you know, which is which. Um, We got to see this two times in the regular season, but in the playoffs, this feels really special. Uh, More so for Breeze, this really could be the last time we get – I guess that wouldn't be more so for Breeze because Breeze may retire. This may be the last time that we see this matchup. Um, obviously, uh, but I don't I don't have anything more to say on that. It's Brady versus Breeze. You know what you're getting there. And then my X factor, as already stated, in spite of the focus on the quarterback matchup, is running back Leonard Fournette. He had a quietly productive game uh, last week against the Washington football team. Shout out Taylor Heineke um, for making that one an incredible one. Shout out a little main 2000 (laughs) Uh, biggest Tyler Heineke fan. I know. And um, but Leonard Fournette quietly had a very solid game last week on the ground. They're not going to be able to beat a very good New Orleans Saints team just throwing the ball, although their passing game was in sync. They're going to need some plays on the ground from Leonard Fournette. And in the end, I will also be taking the Saints. I think, this one won't be a blowout again, but ultimately, in spite of the Saints always finding a way to choke a playoff game, they I, I think this defense is going to be able to force some turnovers. And I like Alvin Kamara with that Swiss Army knife. Um, in any game, he's that game-breaker, and I really think we're going to see a monster game. You have Michael Thomas finally you know, available, I think it really could go either way. It makes sense to see, you know, Tom Brady get his revenge. And it also makes sense just in general for the New Orleans Saints to lose a playoff game. It's what they do. But in what may be the last matchup of Brady versus Breeze, I'm going to take what I consider the good guy, and that's going to be Drew Breeze, 31 to 24 Saints. Um, Yeah. Moving on to the AFC, the Divisional, Saturday night at 5.15 Pacific Standard Time on NBC. Lamar Jackson and the 5 seed Ravens are two-and-a-half-point underdogs as they head to Orchard Park to take on the 2 seed Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia.
1: All right, so my opinion, I think this is the game of the week, hands down. Uh, I think the biggest storyline here is I think we're watching the two hottest teams in the league right now. Obviously, the Bills have been on fire, uh, clicking on all cylinders. Although I do think they weren't as impressive last week, um, but the Ravens—they're super hot too. Lamar Jackson's heating up. Uh, I think he had one—he had one bad throw last week, but other than that, he was—he was electric. I—I um, I don't know who's going to win this one. This is going to be a close game, a really close game between two super hot teams, like I mentioned. I think the biggest X factor in this game, though, I think it's going to be a uh, Bills running back, Devin Singletary. I, I think he could. <laughs> really determine this game because I think if the the Bills cannot develop a run game and they're solely relying on Josh Allen to win this game I think they may be in trouble because that Ravens defense is pretty good and I think they could get enough stops to maybe pull off this upset I've been going back and forth on this one I I just I think I'm gonna go with the Ravens in this one I think they're gonna pull off the upset I'm gonna kick the Ravens by a field goal Ravens 27-24
0: well, I'm glad to see you. we have uh, some different notes on this one. What I'm looking for is Bill's Mafia is never, um, you know, they're always bringing that heat and intensity, but at following such a, you know, maybe it wasn't exactly the statement when they would have liked, but that was a, their first playoff win since 1995. Um, so they're here. It's a kind of one of those. Now what? They need to move forward. Can they stay focused on task? Um at looking for more than simply a playoff victory and making a dent um, and going to the AFC Championship game, X-factor-wise, I'm looking at cornerback Marlon Humphrey. Um, in that win last week, it was a bit of a rough game for um, Twitter users him as Analyst Humph. Um, had had some rough moments on AJ Brown. Um, Josh Allen favorite target Stefan Diggs you gotta assume that Marlon's gonna draw him most of the game you're gonna have to limit that make him make plays to other guys whether it be with his legs make them use those running backs Marlon Humphrey's gonna have to play that lockdown defense um to limit that because you know Josh Allen's gonna be looking for Stefan Diggs and in the end this should be a very back and forth one I think um The tempo that's going to be set by the Ravens is going to keep this one more low scoring, although I definitely could see it getting a little bit higher. I just think the way they run the ball, they're going to try to keep it out of Josh Allen's hands, um, give it to all of their rotational backs, um, you know, keep it on the ground, stick with that meta ground and pound. This is a good Bills defense, but not quite as daunting as it's been the last couple years. It's almost as if, the offense got a little bit better. So the defense had to take a bit of a step back. Not to say the Bills' defense isn't good, but ultimately, I think the Ravens can set that pace, um, win the trenches, which is this is that's what it's all going to be about. You got to win the trenches in this matchup. Um, Bills fans got their win. I think they're going to be a one and done here. I like Lamar Jackson making plays with the legs because when you look at it, Um, it's going to be up to these quarterbacks to make those outstanding plays. And while Josh Allen um, has proven himself to be a good runner and just a significantly better quarterback than what we've thought, I like Lamar Jackson getting it done with his legs. Um, It's cliche, but it's very hard to stop. So I'm going to take the Ravens. A couple late plays to get it done. 24-23, they move on to the AFC Championship. But I, I agree with you. I think Brady versus Burgies is that storyline, but I think the Ravens versus Bills is going to be a super fun game with a lot of highlight moments. Um, and then lastly, um, the early Sunday game, 12.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on CBS, the six seed, the mighty or not so mighty Cleveland Browns, take on the one-seed Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10-point favorites after getting the weekend off last week.
1: All right, so how about those Brownies last week? I mean, you both picked the Browns. I don't think any other podcast uh, went that direction, but shout-out to us.
0: Shout-out to the Red Shirt Podcast.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, I think the biggest storyline to watch here is the Browns' momentum they have and the Chiefs' rest. They're coming off. Um, if that impacts the game at all. Um, I think it could be a slow start for Kansas City just because they are coming off a rest. They're their starters week 17. They haven't played in a while. I mean, that's plain and simple. And the Browns are obviously riding high. I think they're going to come out firing in this game. I don't know if they're going to win, but uh, it it should be an interesting game for at least a half, if anything. Uh, I think... You're gonna see. The thing I've been saying for a while is I think the Browns are capable of actually beating these Chiefs. I've said for a while I think they have one of the better chances in the AFC of knocking them off because they can run the ball and keep that Chiefs offense from coming onto the field. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is probably the best running back duo in the league. Not probably, it is the best running back duo in the league. Nick Chubb has almost become underrated with how how good he's been. He's starting to get more credit though. Um, but that Chiefs offense, obviously, once they get clicking, they're just hard to stop. I know they haven't actually been firing on all cylinders this year, but I, I think when they tune in, they can they can tune in and really go up and down the field on anybody. Um, I, I think the biggest uh, X factor in this game would be uh, Denzel Ward, the cornerback for the Browns. Um, he hasn't played uh, in a little bit because of COVID. He knew he didn't play last week. He's supposed to play again. Supposed to be back on the field. Uh, this week we'll see if he could make an impact uh when the Browns' secondary is fully healthy they're uh, they're one of the better secondaries in the league in my opinion um at the end of the day though this is a it's a tough pick I, as much as I really do want to see the Browns win and I would love to see it for the city of Cleveland I, I just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid they are just I gotta see them get beat to pick against them at this at the end of the day so I think the Browns will cover. I think they'll come out. Uh, I think this would be, I think Browns could even be up in this game at halftime. But in the second half, fourth quarter, give me Patrick Mahomes. I think Chase win 30 to 24.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, that game last week, it was awesome to see the Browns win. I know, obviously, you know, Steelers fans, maybe not so much, but I think in general, watching them win a playoff game was so surreal. But I will say, um, be be careful what you wish for, and keep um, your head on your shoulders. Is let me pull up the receipts following um, that victory on. Let's see, following that win, um, I swiped up on. I won't say. I won't say his name. He knows who he is. He's not listening. But swiped up on his story. Um, he posted about the Browns and they say, glad you got a dub before tomorrow night, obviously referring to fans of Cleveland sports teams, typically aligning with Ohio State. Um, he says, and here it is. I know a comment along these lines would be coming. And just for a precursor a week before or not a week before, I should say um, earlier that week, I posted when Devonta Smith won the Heisman and in small print, I put prayers to Sean Wade. And uh, this person swiped up and said, Sean Wade finna clamp this fool. Proceeded to put $20 on the game and the rest is history. That's what I'll say. Um, So long, you know, long story that doesn't really have anything to do with this game. Um, Congrats on the win last week. Don't get too cocky. Um, You know, who, you know. No names, no names. In the end, no names. You know who you are. Um. To the football game, the storyline that I'm looking at, it's the return of Kevin Stefanski. He was watching the game in his basement last week as his team um, took home that victory. Um, Watching, you know, your team gets better when your head coach is there, I think. Play calling-wise, motivation-wise. And speaking of motivation, it's that continued drive for the Cleveland Browns is... You know, I think that spirit of the Pittsburgh Steelers is continuing to move them. If you guys didn't see the comments from Chase Claypool on a stream, I think it was on TikTok. Um, it was like, they're, you know, they won, but they're just going to get clapped next week. I, it's ridiculous how idiotic you are to say that after you just lost. Um, but I think the Browns, they're going to keep they're gonna have that motivation i think they're gonna be playing super hard it's a matter of finding that balance of playing hard and you know keeping yourself in that moment not going too crazy um x factor for me um it's gonna be the kansas city front seven you mentioned that um the browns they run the ball as good as anyone in the league they have an elite tandem between um nick chubb and former kansas city chief kareem hunt It feels It feels weird that that happened. I feel like that chapter was almost erased from my memory. Um, Kansas City front seven, if they stay stout, um, you know, limit those long drives um, with run after run, they're going to be able to get out in front, get that offense on the field, and really take control of this game. So if the Kansas City front seven is able to limit them, limit that run game, you make Baker Mayfield make throws, um, you're going to have a victory. It's it's as simple a formula as that. And while I will say that I'm relatively rooting for the Browns, I just don't really see it happening. I think the Chiefs have been winning games all year, despite not necessarily looking perfect. They're just that good of a team. I don't really see a scenario where they're able to limit this Chiefs offense. I think they played gritty defense last week, but they're not playing Big Ben. They're playing 500-mil uh, Pat Mahomes. So, I think they can keep it close and at a 10 point. It's 10 points in the playoffs. I don't, I'm not going to predict any more than that. I think the Browns can cover. Uh, maybe it'll be a backdoor cover. We'll see. But I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes and his greatness. I think he's going to keep going on, keep tearing it up. 34 27 Chiefs. Um, yeah. And I mean, look, he, he's not going to be listening to it. So, look, Frank, Frank Gelfman. You're an idiot. Okay. If you're listening, you're an idiot. Okay. Yeah. I don't need the $20, you but you're an idiot. <laughs> and I know this isn't a visual podcast, but I'm wearing my Alabama hat. I have my Alabama background. I'm wearing my yesterday, during the national championship game, my Devonte Smith Heisman shirt showed up. Mm. Don't get, don't get too cocky. It's the moral of the story. <laughs> you're not, you I'm not making, I'll I'm not making me. him pay. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's what we have in terms of these playoff matchups. Last week, we went through um, MVP and various awards. This week, we're going to go through um, head coaching gigs and picking our guys um, to match up with all vacancies. And likely, um, as we record this, I believe Robert Saleh is meeting with my New York Jets. Jets. So, when when we get to a team, odds are – you know, he'll so, something will be announced in the middle of this and throw a wrench into all of our plans. But for now, we can just get into it. And um, let's start with the most recent vacancy the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: All right. So, Eagles fans should like me for my pick for them. Uh, I would love to see this move uh, them hiring Bills offensive coordinator, Brian Dable. Uh, I think Dable's is one of, the, if not the hottest name in the coaching market right now after what he did in Buffalo and the progress that Josh Allen has made this season. Um, I think. Dabble would be the number one priority for the Eagles Dyer. Uh, I think he could help rejuvenate Carson Wentz. Uh, he's a similar, he's an athletic quarterback. He can move like Josh Allen. He has an arm. I mean, he would, he would be a good coach, I think, mentor Josh or Carson Wentz. And, or propel Jalen Hurts, too, um, or whatever quarterback route they decided to go. Um, I think they add, need to add a few more weapons this offseason, but I think uh, Dabble would be a perfect fit in Philadelphia.
0: So for me, Philadelphia, I think um, I can speak for Jacob as well. It's a bit of a shot in the dark considering that vacancy who just became available yesterday. Um, other gigs, we kind of know, interviews who are being lined up. Um, so for me, I kind of went with a little bit of a shot in the dark. Um, I, I like Dabble. I'll mention him later. Um, I don't think he ends up with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he takes a little bit more attractive of a job because this is a roster that um, – isn't incredible to begin with and they are going to have to make some major changes as they're not in good cap standing. So I'm going to say the Eagles first last time around they dipped into into the Andy Reid coaching tree with Doug Peterson. So why not do it again? But I'm going to go I'm It sounds as though Eric Bieniemy has struggled in interviews. So I actually have the Eagles, maybe with a bit of a reach, um, but leaning with Pat Mahomes, right man hand, quarterback coach Mike Kafka. Um, For those who don't know, Bienemy isn't actually the play caller. It's Andy Reid that's calling the play. So it's a similar situation for Kafka. But it just, it seems to make sense. They value um, Andy Reid and his coaching staff. And, you know, whether he might be qualified for it right now or not, um, having that distinction of... Um, working with Patrick Mahomes, leading, you know, being the passing game coordinator, whatever that really means, um, for a juggernaut like the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's going to give him an opportunity. This is definitely um, my least confident pick, but kind of just a shot in the dark there. I'm going to go Mike Kafka for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then next, we'll, uh, we'll head it over to your very own Detroit Lions. I'm going to be shocked as to what you will say
1: here. <laughs> yeah, so anybody who knows me, uh, I'm a pretty big Lions fan, and this is one that I've uh, I've wanted since last offseason, and hopefully I get it this offseason. I'm a huge Robert Sala fan. Um, I, I am so high on this guy. I think he's everything I want in a, as a head coach in the NFL. Uh, the Lions desperately need a culture change, and I think Salah is the guy that can bring that to the table. Not a perfect X's and O's guy. Uh, but he's a phenomenal leader. Sounds like his players love playing for him. Um, I've heard Richard Sherman talk about great things about him, and he's one of the more outspoken guys. Um, and I think if he brings the right coordinators in, it really shouldn't matter about the X's and O's because he is just a great leader. And, but even though he's produced great defenses for the 49ers each of the last two years, even though they had dealt with a ton of injuries uh, this past year and still they were one of better half, de- uh, better than average defenses in the league this year, um, the Lions, Lions fans are definitely going to be hesitant to want to hire another defensive-minded coach after what Matt Patricia was. But I, I'm telling you, this guy is a completely different mindset, in my opinion. Um, not to mention, he also grew up in the state of Michigan. So it, it could just be a nice little homecoming for him. Um, I, I, I really want Robert Sala. I think he's the favorite right now to the Lions coach, and uh, I hope I hope it ends up happening. <laughs>
0: I did not know he was from Michigan. And on brand, um, I'm looking at Twitter right now. Noth- nothing's intact, but um, apparently, uh, Jets B writer Rich Simini uh, said on the radio at the top of the hour that Robert Saleh is believed to be the number one guy for the Jets. So oh. take that as you will. That's nothing uh. set in stone. But um, until that is actually finalized in the Jets, um, put pen to paper before he leaves the building. I'm also having the Detroit Lions uh, head to Robert Sala, the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. We're in an offensive age. Teams are going to, you know, they're naturally leaning towards hiring what's considered an offensive-minded guy. But Sala may be the most coveted guy on the market right now, indicative of the Jets um, bringing him in for a second interview. The Eagles are clamoring for an interview. Um, Him and his defense, they were the focal point in that magical Super Bowl run last season. And he's the kind of guy, he brings that intensity and passion to the head coach spot. He's not as much of a, obviously he's a great defensive mind, but I think he comes in and he's going to be able to be more of a CEO than um, Matt Patricia, who just seems to be, you know, he just, you know, would call a defense, which was awful. Absolutely awful. Um, Detroit needs that leader. So, Pending um, something being announced, re, you know, during the course of this podcast, I am going to say that Robert Sala leaves his interview without um, a contract with the New York Jets, and Detroit gets that later. That is Robert Sala. Um, we'll see, though. We will. I am. I'm. I'm almost confident that something will happen within now, just because it'll throw a wrench into everything, just solely for that reason. Um, next, we will go to the Atlanta Falcons.
1: All right, so the Falcons uh, are an interesting one because they do have a lot of talent. I'm gonna go with uh, you mentioned him earlier, um, Chiefs Offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Um, if, I know he, we've heard that he hasn't um done great in interviews so far, but I think he he's his name's been thrown around so much right now where he's he's been a candidate throughout the whole year pretty much it seemed like, and um, I, I love him in Atlanta. With him in the Chiefs, obviously he doesn't always call the plays, but you know he's He's working under Andy Reid, and he has a pretty good coaching tree. And uh, not many teams can say they have anything close to the weapons that KC has right now. But Atlanta's not too shabby. Uh, Julio Jones may be getting older, but he's, he's still a great receiver. Kelvin Ridley had a breakout year and looks like a star. Todd Gurley still has some left wing tank. Hayden Hurst kind of had a, had a breakout year. I could go on and on, but you can see this offense still has plenty of firepower. Uh, there's uncertainty if Matt Ryan is the answer at QB, but Maybe a great offensive mind like Biennami could help Ryan salvage his career. If the organization chooses to go a different way at quarterback, they do have the fourth pick so Biennami could groom his own QB. Um, I think a lot of teams are probably going to be trying to interview Biennami, but I think he'd be a great fit in the ATL.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, I'm taking an AFC offensive coordinator, but it is not Eric Bien-Ami. Um It's the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. He's, uh, he's risen up to be one of the higher rated head coaching candidates because of his turnaround of the Titans offense, which for a while um, with Marcus Mariota and even with a little bit of Derrick Henry, it was stagnant. Um, it was not good, but Smith has tapped into Ryan Tannehill's potential that was being wasted away by the lowly Adam Gase, um, and he's gotten the most out of star running back Derrick Henry, who has been who might be the best running back in football right now, um, despite a tough playoff performance. No, there's no Derrick Henry at atla- in Atlanta, but Jacob just mentioned all of those great um, great weapons. You know, maybe it'll, it'll be a little more pass-oriented when you have guys like Julio and Calvin Ridley. But I think Smith, um, he's going to have his weapons to play there, and I think the fit makes a lot of sense. Um, last time they went with a defensive-minded guy, I think – They go with the offensive guy and double down on those strengths and hope to build defense, um, through the draft, or like you said, the possibility of going quarterback at number four. Um, I think they double down on that offense though and go with Arthur Smith. Um, next we have the Houston Texans.
1: All right. So Houston, obviously I was doing research trying to figure out which coaches I thought would fit and, uh, every scenario. And Houston, I went with a little bit of an underrated guy, I think. Um, Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, I think that's his name. Um, The Texans are definitely one of the most interesting teams to keep an eye on this offseason. Rumors are flying around that Deshaun Watson might want out. I'm going to assume that Watson will remain put in Houston, but um, I'm pretty sure most uh, Texans fans would like to see an offensive-minded coach come to pair with Watson. And I know Watson was clamoring for Eric the enemy, but I, I think Houston goes a different route. Their offense really, it's been good over, I mean, you have Deshaun Watson, obviously you're going to have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's going to throw for a lot of yards, um, but their defense has been downright awful. They were one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, I think hiring a defensive minded coach would not be the worst idea. Um, I think Staley is uh, one of the more underrated coaches on the market right now. He's only 38 years old. Um, and he's only been a defensive coordinator for one season. But coming, coming under the Sean McVay tree that is building, um, I, think he's a, I think he's a bright mind, and um, I, I think he would match well. You know, he, he hires a good offense coordinator, Paris Sean Watson. Um, I, I think uh, I think that would be a great hire for Houston, considering how good the Rams' defense really was this year. Um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for how, how great he was at, as a first-year play caller. Young, bright mind. And also, uh, side note, um, Houston's new GM, Nick uh, Um He graduated from John Carroll University, and Stelly was the de- defensive coordinator there in 2015. So there's a little bit of a connection there. Um, I think that would be an interesting hire for Houston. Uh, I'll leave it to you to share your thoughts.
0: Someone done a little more research than me on that one. That's um <laughs> that's a deep tidbit. But um Houston, despite having you know going to the playoffs recently and having some generational talents like uh, a JJ water Deshaun Watson, one of the most broken franchises in sports right now um, with the whole bill O'Brien saga and seeing, you know, Andre Johnson's tweet earlier, if you guys haven't read up about Jack Easterby Easterby, I don't know how you pronounce it. I would definitely give it a read. Um, Super interesting story, just an absolute um, mess with the Houston Texans and to bring that, maybe to a bit more of a calmer point, um, you know, steady it out. I'm looking at a man that I wouldn't say he's near and dear to Jacob's heart, but uh, Jacob knows him well. And that is Jim Caldwell, former Detroit Lions head coach. He took the year off in 2020, but he remains a very viable candidate for head coach jobs. And he isn't a, fa- a flashy pick or maybe, you know, the one that Deshaun Watson prefers like an Eric Biennium, but I think he's a respect a respected figure that can bring some form of an order to a franchise that's truly off the rails. Um, You know, he, I'm not, I don't know if he's the greatest football mind out on the market, but I think he makes a lot of sense to kind of just bring some form of stability to a franchise that's just going so up and down, up and down. Um, But yeah, we'll move on to my New York Jets.
1: All right. So going through all these teams, um, that's where actually the last one I came down to uh, out of the, all the vacancies. It's just not necessarily a very desirable coaching situation. No offense, uh, neither are my lines, but um, I went with a guy that you already mentioned, actually, and that was tight Zuffin's coordinator, Arthur Smith. Um, I'm not sure if the Jets have tried to interview him. I believe they have, but um, I, I think. Uh, the Jets need an offensive guy, in my opinion. I, I think a young guy. Arthur Smith is only 38 years old, but he has a ton of experience already. I think he's been, been in the working in the NFL as a coach for, like, 10 years already at such a young age. So he's uh, earned a lot of respect already in the league. Um, I think we saw what he did in Tennessee, like you mentioned before. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. He pretty much saved Ryan Tannehill's career. And uh, I think it would be a good move for the Jets franchise to um, hire a guy who could potentially do the same with Sam Darnold. Uh, I, although, you know, there are rumors that they might move on from Darnold and take quarterback, I, I think they should stay put with Darnold because um, I think with a uh, a good uh, coach coaching staff there, I think Darnold could still be very successful. Um, I'm not necessarily 100% sold on this fit, but uh, I don't know if I'd be 100% sold on any fit for the Jets right now. Um, but anyways, I think Arthur Smith, he's a good, uh, bright young mind. Um, I think he he provides something for the Jets. And that's where I go.
0: Yeah, and an interesting note, now that I'm looking at another tweet about it, about uh, Rich uh, um on the radio, as I mentioned, that Sal is probably number one. He says that Arthur Smith is probably number two, which throws a wrench into what I predicted, but, you know, there's nothing to change here. And that is Joe Brady, the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. Um, you spoke about Dabble moving up, maybe the most desirable head coach in the whole um, business. Brady is the f- fastest rising coach in the entire sport um a year ago he was the past passing game coordinator at lsu and now he's you know in serious contention for a head coaching job with good reason as he truly was the one that puppeteered one of the greatest offenses in college football um that we've ever seen although you know i think the product on the field last night may put that to a debate but that's all another discussion um And then this year, he moved up with Matt Rule. He was the offensive coordinator in Carolina. Not necessarily, you know, a great offense, rather mediocre, but he was still able to have some success and show off his play-calling prowess. I think the Jets can bring in Brady. Uh, With him, you likely pluck a quarterback from the draft, whether that be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I would probably prefer Wilson either way, though I think both of them. Um, are good options and with Brady at the helm could really be developed into something special. So although signs may be pointing to that, he's not even one of their top two options. I will stick with that. Joe Brady will be the next New York jets head coach and odds are we'll flame out. No fault of his own, I suppose. But, um, we'll move on second to last. We're on the Los Angeles chargers.
1: All right. So, uh, Funny that you mentioned Joe Brady, because I think, uh, other than Salah to Detroit, my favorite fit, I would love to see Joe Brady uh, go into the Los Angeles Chargers. You mentioned what he done what he did at LSU um, was phenomenal there, uh, turned LSU's offense into, uh, debatably, the best offense the college football has ever seen. Obviously, Bama uh, challenged that. Um, but what he did in Carolina, he made Teddy Bridgewater look uh, pretty good, made um, their out. Carolina was much better than what we thought they were going to be this year and uh he's just you're right he's rising up the coaching ranks and I think 100% deserves a head coaching job um best place I think will be in LA the Chargers Joe Brady and Justin Herbert it'd be fun to watch uh, I, after seeing him like I said what he did for uh the past couple quarterbacks he's worked with I'd love to see what he did after seeing Justin Herbert how good he looked last year uh how how much more could Joe Brady potentially elevate him um you know you you have to you have to wonder maybe is he too inexperienced, but I, I think he could be a good leader. He seems to be pretty charismatic. Uh, I think with the right staff around him, he's going to thrive. Um, I think this would be a slam dunk, a plus 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 move for the Chargers if they hire Joe Brady.
0: Yeah, and it's I mean it's the Chargers, so my hope is that they'll hire like Jason Garrett. But it, I mean, you know, you know, you never know. Um, I have a pairing that I think I think would be an A plus 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 as well. Um, And as a guy that's already been mentioned, but it's not obviously not Joe Brady, as I mentioned, um, that's Brian Dabble, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. He's had numerous stops from tight end coach in New England to the offensive coordinator and winning a national championship at Alabama and now settling with the Buffalo Bills. I think he should be given a lot of credit as the leading figure in Buffalo's offensive success and helping Josh Allen take a major leap in 2020. I think that's the most attractive thing about Brian Dabble is we, we saw Justin or not, excuse me, Josh Allen um, at the beginning of his career look really shaky. Um, You know, he saw a lot of talent out of Wyoming, but it wasn't a put together um, product And this year you've seen Josh Allen take a major leap in 2020. I think you have to give a lot of that success to Brian Dabble. And with a budding star in Justin Herbert, I think Dabble is a perfect match for what I would consider the little brother LA team. Mm -hmm. Um, Chargers slander all day. It's not, it's not even, I mean, it's not even slander if it's just truthful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then last but not least, um, the recipients of the first overall pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars?
1: Yeah, so Jacksonville, obviously, um, the leading rumor right now is Urban Meyer. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know if I love the idea of Urban in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure if it'll work out or not, but it seems like he's the frontrunner for the Jags, and if he's their guy, the Jags should go get him. Um, I don't really have any doubt. I think Urban would put together a good staff. Uh, I mean, he's a good offensive mind. Um, The Jags having the number one pick in the draft. I'm not big Trevor Lawrence. Um, So you're getting a generational type talent there to work with. Um, And Urban's really not a bad guy to mentor him. Um, Like I said, I'm not sold on him being an NFL coach, but I'm definitely here to see how it plays out. I think it'll be entertaining, if anything. It'd be interesting to see how he changes his game plans and his schemes for NFL defenses and what aspect of the college game he brings uh, in with him. The Jags need a lot of help, but they do have some nice young talent. And uh, so bringing in a guy who's been a college football coach his whole life with guys who are already young talent uh, is definitely not the worst move they can make. Um, It sounds like that's going to be the move. Uh, I don't know if I'd do it, but it sounds like that's the the move for the Jags right now. Yeah,
0: like... There are reports back and forth that he's not locked in. You know, there was a report flying around that he wants $12 million a year. I don't – you know, it's all speculation at this point. There's nothing uh, pen and paper. Um, We've seen, you know, crazy things happen in certain head coaching um, searches. But I'm also going to lean with former Ohio State head coach, Urban Meyer. He's been, you know, retired as, you know, audio podcast – I did finger quotations – since 2018 – But it was evident that that retirement wouldn't be permanent. I think people mocked him more to the University of Texas or USC as possible landing spots. But with the number one pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars seem like that destination. And scandals and drama have a tendency to appear with Urban Meyer, you know, college programs. But ultimately, you can't deny the success he has had at Ohio State and Florida, The leap to the NFL will be interesting, but he's going to have the chance to mold uh, the golden boy, Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback. So I think Meyer may just make that leap back into the game at the pro level. Um, Will I be surprised if, you know, he has an assistant coach doing something illegal in a couple years and he'll claim headaches? I mean, that's neither here nor there, but um, for better or for worse – migraine-impaired or not, um, I think Urban Meyer does make that leap to the Jacksonville Jaguars and becomes their head coach. And that is all for um, the head coach openings. I just got a notification. uh, Chuck Pagano announced he was retiring earlier today, but the Bears are expected to keep their general manager, Ryan Pace, as well as head coach, Matt Nagy. So we will not have to add in a little segment about Matt Nagy. He is staying. Um, what do you think of that, Jacob?
1: I uh, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I mean, as a Lions fan, I'm happy the Bears are are uh, doing that, but um, I'll be honest, I don't think it's the greatest move for the Bears. Uh, I think um, I think keeping the duo of Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky is going to put their franchise back another year, and we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see changes next off season. But if the Bears want to wait, they can wait.
0: Yeah, I think I mean that one great season gave Matt Nagy too much success. I don't think he's an absolutely horrible coach. And you, I think you can definitely justify not moving on from him. But they're just in such a middle ground. They have like a pre, they have a pretty good defense that isn't quite elite like it was a couple years ago, but it's still very good. They have an offense that has had some pieces, but they're our top guy Alan Robinson is all but out the door in free agency you have questions at quarterback after trading for Nick Foles last offseason there's just so much going on there and I'm not here to say if it's the right move or the wrong move but I'm with you that I think if they're not making moves this offseason it'll likely be um next year that they're making those and then elsewhere, also, um, the Seahawks announced their are parting ways with their offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, after um, they extended their general manager, John Schneider, no relation, until um, 2027. I think, I mean, I think that's a good move, ultimately. The offense was stalling at the end, and it's not for lack of talent. Um, I don't know necessarily what, what they're looking at moving forward, but at, towards the end, that just wasn't working. I think a lot of it you can put on Russell Wilson. And um, I think ultimately moving forward, what I would do if I'm, um, if I'm John Schneider, if I actually was related to him, as I double down on that passing game, I think, you know, running the ball isn't necessarily the answer. That's what's limited them in years past. You know, we saw at the beginning of the year, Russ cooking. I think the move is you got to get him an offensive line. You can have, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and try to lure every wide receiver that has a questionable pass to their team. But get the man an offensive lineman and block because again, you can't a lot of his struggles are on him, but you need they've they've just neglected to build that offensive line. You gotta build new line for us, But they can't I, they oh. can't do it with their first rounder. New York Jets.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, it it kind of seemed down the stretch that um, Pete Carroll and uh, Schottenheimer were not on the same page. And one of them had to go, and obviously you're not going to fire Pete Carroll. So uh, it'll be interesting where they go moving forward. And I, I 100% agree. I think you're preaching there with the offensive line. It, it seems like the one issue through this little dynasty that Seattle's had is they've never really had that offensive line on par with uh, Russell Wilson to keep him healthy like a lot of other elite quarterbacks tend to have. Um, Obviously, Russ didn't play the great down the stretch, but they definitely – if you're going to play against Aaron Donald two times a year, you need an offensive line, and uh, that's definitely – that should be their one and only priority this offseason is to revamp that offensive line.
0: And that's one thing that I don't – I don't know if you talked about it, um, but in that game, the Rams versus Packers – um, Aaron Donald, he might be banged up, but the Green Bay Packers won't have David Bakhtiari. He's done for the year. Um, so throwing, um, you know, Billy Turner. I believe they're actually signing Jared Velt here off of Indianapolis's practice squad. Um, even though Veld, he's a, he started last week for the Colts, but he was a practice squad call up. So they're able to sign him off of the practice squad, and will start for two teams in one postseason, um, which is super interesting. So that that that's worth looking at. Um, not a lot else going football news. The Texans would announce that they will hire or not hire interview Eric Bieniemy as Deshaun Watson um, requested. I don't think they'll actually hire him. It's just I don't you know, it's the way they go. Other than that, I mean, let's see. Jo- uh, Jordan signed Chase Claypool, who we mentioned earlier. Um, other than that, I'm looking. There's, there's not, there's not a whole lot going on outside of what we hit on. I think. Um, great episode, though. Awesome episode. I hope you guys are enjoying um, having Jacob on these weeks for uh, the postseason. I guess, for lack of um, being able to speak coherently. I mean, hopefully not too much to the point where, you know, he breaks off and does it himself, but, um, I'm having a great time. I appreciate <laughs> you joining me.
1: Of course. i love to come on and talk. talk to um, football.
0: let's see. That's, that's all I got. Do you have any, uh, shameless plugs before I move forward?
1: I think I'm all good. Just thanks for having me on again. Excited to watch these games this week.
0: Yes, sir. Um, as always, the blog, the Redshirt Blog. I will have these picks up in writing form a little bit later this week. Um, the Twitter, I meant, I've mentioned it. I got the Twitter going at the Redshirt Blog. Um, I'm tweeting during games, typically. Um, you know, if any news comes out, you know that that's where you got me for instant gratification. And then the Instagram at the Redshirt, where I'm posting those blog posts, these podcasts, um, so on, so forth. And I appreciate the continued support to the, you know, however many of you guys are listening to this. That's what I got. Um, I figured out on Spotify, um, or through like my feeder how to see analytics. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I guess I'll see truthfully how many, um, of you I'm talking to in about a week when the analytics come through, but, uh, whether it's, um, you know, 800,000 or, you know, one person listening to three minutes of it. Um, I appreciate you guys and, uh, that'll just about do it for this episode of the red shirt podcast. We'll see you guys next time.